Welcome to the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. Joining me today, it's Samford University head coach Carly Coons, who in her first season at the Birmingham, Alabama-based school, won the SOCON regular season title. They won a share of that title and then go on and win the conference tournament and earn a right to go into the NCAA tournament. Obviously, things have happened to where they're not going to get a chance to play in that tournament, but what a job by her and her staff. Took over a program that won 10 games the year before, come in and win 18, and again, win the double in the SOCON. An incredible job by her. She came to Sanford after three years as a head coach at her alma mater, Division II school in Georgia, Valdosta State. So we'll talk to her a little bit about going over, taking that first head coaching job at her alma mater, and then making the jump to Sanford, why she did it, how she did it. She was a great college player, 1,000-point scorer, hit nearly 300 three-pointers in her career. We'll talk to her about her career, about if you know she ever saw being here. And then, uh, obviously, this is the first episode we've done since uh, everything's come out with the uh, coronavirus. And so a chance to talk to her about how her team handled earning the right to play in the NCAA tournament and ultimately not going to get that opportunity. But uh, really looking forward to talking to Coach. We'll get her on the phone and be right back. This is The Jump Around. Welcome back to the Jump Around, and joining me, it is the head coach of Samford University, Carly Coons. Coach, thanks so much for taking some time. I, we were talking about it right before we hit record, but uh, plenty of time for all of us, kind of contained inside our homes, but uh, nevertheless, I still appreciate you taking some for me. Yeah, absolutely. I know. It's, I've been looking forward to it. It's, it's, I'm excited to have something to do for it. <laughs> couple days, so. Well, happy to provide it, and uh, what what a first year for you uh, at Samford, and we'll, we'll get into that later, but... Uh, take us back, if you don't mind, back to the, the beginning when you're you're going into college, you're, you're, you're going to Valdosta State in Georgia, you're getting, you're getting ready to start your playing career collegiately. If I ask you then, hey, 10 years from now, what does this look like? Where does this basketball thing take you? What would you have said? You know, I, I, I think I would still be in coaching. Um, I had always intended on being a high school coach and a teacher. Both my parents are teachers. My whole family has been in education, so I always thought, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a teacher, and I'm going to go back to my high school, and I want to coach there. Um, and that's always kind of what I thought I would do. And and it was about probably my sophomore or junior year. Now one of my biggest mentors, which has been my assistant coach, kind of just started putting bugs in my ear about, I think you should, you know, attempt the college route. I think you should really look into coaching at the college level and encouraged me to get into graduate school and, you know, at least be a GA to kind of give it a trial run and, and see if it was something that I would, would want to do. And that's kind of how I first, you know, thought that what maybe I really could do this. I never even crossed my mind that that could be a possibility for me until she kind of, you know, pushed me down that road. And it's just crazy to think that, I mean, here I am now and, and doing it. So that's kind of how it initially you know, became a thing that I, that I wanted to pursue. Yeah. Once you did start pursuing it, once that did kind of, you know, say, Hey, maybe I can do this. Did you have any sort of aspirations, goals of like, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, then I'm going to go here. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to try to make this level. I'm going to try to do this. Did you have any aspirations like that? Or were you just kind of going and figuring it out as you went? Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I played, like you said, about Austin State, and it was a Division two. And I, I mean, I loved that level. I loved, um, I, I didn't ever, I never had, I still don't have these goals of being this, oh my gosh, I want to coach at the highest level, and I want to do all this. For me, it's more about I want to coach at the right place um, and, and the right fit for me and for my family. Um, and that kind of, I just, obviously, your first job, you just, I hope and pray that some will hire you. Um, so that was going to be anywhere. I was going to go, you know, anywhere, any chance I was going to get, I was going to take it. Luckily, I got my first job was out of grad school. I stayed in with a GA at Valdosta State for my coach, which was great. Um, and then I was high, my first job was at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Brittany Ezell hired me on right out of grad school. Um, she had been in our conference and had just got that job and, um, I mean, the timing and the right time, right place. And um, I got really, really lucky because that's a really great institution, obviously. They've had a mm-hmm. lot of success. Yep. Um, I worked there six years and got to work under two different head coaches there, So, which a lot of people don't get. I mean, I think it's always good as an assistant coach to kind of work for different people so you can just, you know, everyone just does things so differently. And so to get, you know, valuable, you know, valuable insight to different ways to run a program and I honestly I didn't even know that I wanted to be a head coach at that point mm. um about probably about four years in at Belmont I thought you know what maybe I, I could do this and um and Cam who Cam Newbar who's now at Florida he I think he was really valuable in, in mentoring me and helping me kind of just learn the ins and outs and, and kind of giving me more responsibility for that um and then I got a phone call from my alma mater six years after Belmont. And it was just obviously an opportunity that I couldn't take or I couldn't turn down. And, um, man, that was an awesome job. I, I loved being back there. It was, that was hard to leave to come for Stanford. Just my husband and I met there. He played basketball at Austin State as well. Um, I mean, it was kind of home for us. So mm-hmm. I loved every bit of that. I was there three years. Um, and I know you know the lower level. Um and it's just, it's just different. It's, I think I loved it there. I loved, yeah. you know, it's just a little bit more of a balance. And you, I feel like you have, even though you have less time with your kids, you actually have more time with your kids. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of a little bit into my journey, yeah. I guess. Uh, I will say this, you are very, um, not, not quiet, but, you know, much calmer and much more, you know, low-key than Cam Bauer and, and Brittany Zell. Those are two, uh, <laughs> two pretty high-energy people. I've, I've, we've, every time, I, uh, every time I, I spend any time with Cam afterwards, I feel like I need a nap right? because it's just go, 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 go all the time. So you worked for two oh pretty high-energetic coaches. I sure did, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because you were not the only person like you worked for Cam and Brittany, and you know, neither of them are very mild, and you, you, you're <laughs> You're kind of the opposite, and, um, but I know it's funny. But I did. I learned a lot from both of them, and I'm, and I'm thankful for both of them. And they, you know, Cam has still been really valuable to me. He's been. And we, I talk to him frequently, and um, he's still been really, really helpful and really supportive of of my career, which is cool. And now I get to coach against Bernie. She's in my conference. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and that's just interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. When you you mentioned getting a chance to go back to your alma mater, I mean. That first head coaching job is terrifying, right? It's you're like, I oh, yeah. definitely don't know what I'm doing. I'm definitely not prepared, blah, blah, blah. But there has to be some comfort, right, to at least knowing the, the infrastructure of the school and everything like that. I, I imagine that played a big part in in your decision to take that first leap. Oh, for sure. And it, it I mean, 
gosh, it was night and day different than my first week at Stanford. I'll tell you that. Cause, mm-hmm. I mean, going into Valdosta City, you do. I, it was the same athletic director, the same basketball coach. I mean, all the coaches were the same. The fan base was already there. I didn't have to build any relationships other than my players, um, which for me is, I, I think, the most fun and kind of the easiest. That's the right. easiest relationship to build with everything else that yeah. you, you have to figure out. And so I think I got really lucky to have that opportunity right off the bat to kind of have all that support and have all that built in you know, network of people who you, who, who, who wanted you to have success and wanted you to succeed. And so they were just ready to, you know, chomping at the bit to do anything they could to help me have success, which not a lot of people have that opportunity right off the bat. Um, so I was really, really lucky. Well, and you found a lot of success. I mean, three years, you go 66 and 29, you go to the sweet 16 in 2018. I mean, going into it again, first time as the head coach, if, if I had presented that to you, Hey, Three years from now, you're going to win 66 games. You'll go to a Sweet 16. You'll win a conference championship. You take that deal, right? I would absolutely take that deal. <laughs> and I still would. Yeah, yeah, yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Give me that. Yes, I keep winning. Check. I will take it. <laughs> Was there yeah, – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just kind of to just answer your question, it just – yeah, I would have I, – I did not expect that. And um kind of the it was it, it's crazy how eerily similar the two situations are um in both of the programs that I took over you know two really good guys but just you know the system that they were running was just you know different than what today's generation wants to play um and just kids that were chomping at the bit for something different and you know just latched on right away and I think that's what led to the success is just kids that you know both both programs had really good players they were just I think playing in systems that maybe weren't fitting to the mm. style of players that they had so was there any I always ask this especially now as a, as a head coach too because I like to just steal stuff from everybody but what, <laughs> was there anything um when when you do when you are at Valdosta and you are winning right so it makes things go hey we're, we're going well we know we're kind of what we're doing was there anything that caught you by surprise um that was more difficult uh or easier than maybe you anticipated that just um, maybe, you know, you just didn't even think about it until you're in it. Was there anything either way? So you can take that as a positive or a negative, but was there anything that kind of surprised you? Gosh, I think, I think for me, the thing that people always said was going to be the hardest, which was, was the easiest for me was like, you know, in game, you have to make those calls and you're, you're, you know, sitting one seat over is, it just changes the game. And, and, and in games, as you go from having to, you know, make the suggestions and having to make the decisions. That was the fun. That's the most fun mm. and easiest part for me. I love coaching in games. Some people, oh, they want to coach in practice. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think <laughs> the biggest thrill in the world. And I, I think it's so fun. I mean, all that work that you put in and now you get to enjoy it in a game. I love it. Um, I think for me, probably, gosh, two of the most difficult things have been the staff piece. Like, being able to not only figure out what you need to be doing, but to have to tell someone else everything that they need to be doing too. Um, I think that is the hardest thing for me as a head coach, especially at the division one level when you're, you know, at T2, you have one assistant and, and, you know, the two of you just pretty much split everything and you just figure it out and you got to just, you know, you got to, I mean, you might have to wash the laundry one day and you, you have to do all this stuff and then you move up and now you have to, you know, three or four people working for you, and you're like, okay, what? How are we going to split up this stuff between, you know, four people? Um, and sometimes you just have to make stuff up to do, and it's. I think that is the the piece that no one really 
shared with me that was going to be the most difficult is managing a staff and all those people and on a day-to-day basis and, right. you know, leading them as well. Um, and then the other piece too, kind of like in the game, I think the recruiting piece is as the head coach changes because, gosh, you see all these players in the system and you think, oh, I think they'd be good. I think they would be good. I think this kid would fit. Yeah, sure. I think oh, we got to have this fit. And then when it comes down to actually having to say, yeah, I, that's the one I want, man, that is, I'm sure as you can attest to that, it's, it's difficult to think, to put all those, you know, all that, I mean, for instance, it's a $45,000 scholarship that you're putting on the kid. And yeah. Thinking, you know what, this shoe really will fit in our program. I think those are the two biggest things that, and I still struggle with um, on a daily basis. I'm I'm with you, especially on that second piece, because I'm because I'm still on the one assistant thing, so I'm good there. Yeah, yeah like I'm with you're you. Good, but, yeah. yeah, but yeah, that. Re- yeah, you're good. That re- you're just grind. You're doing <laughs> yeah, that's just we just go to work. Yeah, yesterday we were in the the locker room cleaning out all of our kids' stuff so we can deep clean the locker room, and I'm like, yeah, well, this is this is yeah. why we make the big bucks right here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that that recruiting piece is so different from the head spot because, you know, it is, and it's. I always tell people. They say, how do you how do you find these recruits? I'm like, it's really easy to find good basketball players, right? Like, you go to a gym, you're going to see a good basketball player, but it's finding those exactly. people that fit in that. And we overuse the word culture, but like, really, when you start, when you're sitting there at the head spot, you're like, man, this one kid could mess up everything if it's the wrong fit, right? And that's what drives for me. Sure. That kind of drives me crazy too. And I know for you, you know, year one, it's it's unique because you're like, man, we we can't mess this first class up. Maybe we can mess up the third class, but the first one we can't mess <laughs> it up, right? The first one we can't. I know. Well, maybe we have eight seniors that we're losing, so oh, it's really, yeah. I mean, we're replacing half the roster in year one. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and especially at a place like Stanford. I mean, it's a private Christian yep. institution, and so it's even more, yep. you know important that you find those people that that fit and and that want to be in that environment because it's definitely not for everybody well you you come in and we talk about the team had had struggled last year they won 10 games um only won five in conference and then you guys come in right away and you know spoiler alert you had a great year but you start off mind you a very tough non-conference schedule those first few d1 games I and mean, you know you lost to Kennesaw you play Florida you mentioned Cam you, you play Florida State you play you know you, you all these all these really really good schools um and so it's you start off you know I think it's 0 and 5 if I'm not mistaken but you're 0 and 5 against some really good competition so I was like yeah yeah you know we can live with that but Kind of take me, if you don't mind, like, take me back there. Like, you, you bring it in. You've got new energy. Everyone's excited. All this stuff. And then you take a couple losses in a row. How did you guys kind of weather the storm through that and get things going? Oh, man, it was hard. Um, especially because, like you said, when you're trying to start something new and start something fresh. And I think the biggest thing for this team was learning how to win and, like, unbelie- and, and really wanting that instead of just, you know, they were just so content, with, I felt like, with just, be in there that it, it was changing that mindset but it was hard to change that mindset when yeah. you weren't winning um but I mean I think throughout the non-conference season we kind of tried to really take small victories because I mean some of those games not the Florida's and Florida State but every other game we had an, an opportunity to win and it's against teams that I mean we we should have won at UT Martin we took them to overtime end up you know we winning their conference we should have beat Troy um, I say should have as a coach, you know what that means. Um, <laughs> I mean, we 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 let we were, we led in the fourth quarter, and if you know if we made if we were the team that we were in March, I think we win the game. Um, 
you know, and, and it's a team that went on to win 24 games. UAB, Western Kentucky, all those games who are against really, really good programs that beat us 30 last year, we had opportunities to win the game. Um, and so I think that at those moments really caught our team by surprise and thought, okay, you know, this if we could just make, you know, through watching film and even kind of taking some of those moments and putting them into a practice setting, maybe the next day of what would we have done different and how could we have changed this, you know, certain play or whatever. But, you know, one or two possessions go differently, we win the game. And I think from those moments where it was like, okay, these are really, really good teams and we're with, we're hanging with all of them, um, maybe we can win some games. And, and then finally, once we got into conference play, we won our first conference game on the road against the team that was picked to win the league. And it was I think that was like a, mm. a light bulb moment for us. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, people were bought in. Everyone kind of at that point really started to understand their role um, from top to bottom. And and it just you know started kind of grooving from there. Um, and you guys go through conference. You go 10-4. and four, You finish 18-14, and 14, win the regular season uh, title, and go into that conference tournament. And then it was, it was exactly what you would want, right? You guys versus UNC Greensboro in the championship game, two best teams, yeah. had played well all year. Um, and you get into that game, and you guys are able to pull it out at the end. I mean, I imagine just the emotions going into that game must have been nuts. But uh, walk me through that game. Walk me through the day of, of, you know, you've got a chance. Here we are. You talk about all this stuff, and now you're at the doorstep of, you know, winning the league, going to the NCAA tournament. What was that day? What was that game like? Yeah, it's, I mean, oh, gosh, it's just, it's everything to hope for as a coach. Um, I felt really, really good about it. One, because we had swept them in the regular season. So, you know, the day before in the semifinal game, we were we played Farman, who had swept us both games that year. And it, we, had, we had faced some kind of really tough adversity both weeks we played them. Um, one of my players lost their father the day found out on the way to the game that that her that her father wasn't going to make it and then the second time around we played them um we had another death within our staff um before we played them and so you know that game i think was even more just monumental for our team in the semifinal game because you know it was like okay we finally get to play them where when we're at least we're feeling our best and and we, i mean we probably played our best game of the year in our semifinal game we beat them I think by 30 um, and just, I mean, everything was clicking. It was, it was finally like, okay, here we, we knew that once everything kind of came together and if everyone could play good on the same game, that we could have a game like that. And mm-hmm. so that was just, I think the confidence booster into the championship game of, you know, we told you this is when we want to be playing our best basketball. We're prepared for this. Um, now let's go have fun and enjoy it. And the, the crazy thing is, is that we really didn't even play that well against Greensboro. You know, we, Neither of my leading scores. Well, I guess Natalie Armstrong had a really good game, especially down the stretch. Um, but Sarah Myers, who had been really, really good for us all year, didn't have her best game. Um, didn't We didn't shoot the ball extremely well, but we finally, you know, all season we had been working towards just finding ways to win and doing all the little things. And, and for that to happen that game, especially the last game of our season, was just really, really cool because – we just, I mean, it, it was tooth and nail, literally, to the, to the fourth quarter. We hit a three with, I think, a minute to go to kind of seal the deal. And um, it's kind of the environment, though, you know, in a game that you hope for in a championship game, just back and forth. And the, 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 top, the clock's ticking down, and I'm like, you know, I go from thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, are we with two minutes to go, 
I think it's a tie game, and they hit a three and go up, and it's like, oh, no, you know, and then mm-hmm. we come down and score, oh, yes, you know, just back and forth, up, here we go. And then the clock ticks down, and you think, oh, my God, we just won it. We just won the whole thing. Um, it was, it was, it, it's a really, really cool feeling. Yeah, and then, obviously, uh, weird circumstances, right? Because here we are now. Yeah. Oh, we, we shouldn't be talking right now, right? Um, you should be you should be somewhere playing some big school. Be, I know. Right? Um, I know. I know you've probably talked about this at nauseum, but you know when you find out uh, that you know tournaments canceled, everything like that. Uh, obviously, a devastating conversation to have to have with your team and everything. Uh, that that day, how were I mean, how were you guys able to kind of manage and, and get through that, especially your kids? Yeah, I think that we you know with us we played earlier. We played the weekend before so it was our spring break so I sent my team home for for four days and gave them four days off because we knew we were going to have then another week to prepare for the tournament um so they were actually home with their families Mm -hmm. or wherever you know some of them were on spring break and I think that was the most disappointing thing was that we found out you know via social media that's how that's how Mm -hmm. we were notified and and so, I mean, I found out by one of my players texting me. She, she, it's Natalie. She's that's my girl, man. She FaceTimes me and calls me like every day. You know, as a head coach, you're like, this is the new generation, yeah, right? Yeah. Your kids FaceTime you, and I'm like, why are you FaceTiming <laughs> me? Why can't you just call me? <laughs> so, but she, she's like, coach, and I'm like, there's no way they we they, we would have known. You know, they would have called us first. It's just rumor, and and sure enough, it was true. Um, so I th- it was just I think I I think the most difficult thing was not being together, um, you know, just to not have that moment as a team. Even if you lose, to be able to be together and have that closure to have a moment where you can hug your seniors and the players can hug each other. And I mean, you know, you've been in those locker rooms every year. I mean, there's only one team that doesn't have that feeling of winning, and so to be yeah. able to at least have that closure as a team of being able to say goodbye, I still feel like it's like. We, our season's not over because we haven't had that moment hmm. yet. Um, but it was difficult, especially for us, for a team who had, I mean, you have the highest of highs. You, you, this is what you work for. My, our eight seniors who this is all they've wanted their whole career. And um, it just, it, I feel I feel really bad for them. It's just, it's it stinks. To, you know, there's, I understand why it's happening, and I know it has to, but it just doesn't make sense feel any better about not not having that opportunity. So, right, yeah, it kind of stinks, but it is what it is. Yeah, and it's it's tough too because, as you know, it is so it's so difficult to to get there. Right, it's not you're not a team that. Or you're not even your league. I mean, your league's not a league where the same teams going in, you know, every right. every year. Like right. you guys are competing, you guys are fighting. I mean, I'm sure at the beginning of the year people were like, Yeah, Samford, whatever. And now it's like, Oh, great, now we gotta deal with Samford and UNCG and right. you know, Coach Patterson's done a great job there and Furman and Mercer. It's just it's brutal. So it's like, man, it's it's plausible, right? You never get there again. So I know it's a it's a difficult spot. Yeah. I know. It's I, I told him we we're gonna have to create well, hopefully, well, you know, hopefully if we ever make it back on campus, but I, you know, I'm like, we're going to have some sort of a celebration. We'll toast our own tournament. We'll do something fun yeah. um, for all of our fans and for everyone to kind of get together and celebrate the team. And um, I'm hoping that we'll have an opportunity to do that and do something special for them just because it's, it's going to be hard to recreate that. Yeah. that. 
you know, atmospheric that I really think we probably would have gone into South Carolina or Maryland or Oregon and for our kids to have the opportunity to play in front of that many fans. And right. It would have been really, really cool. Yeah. But I'm not sure we can re- recreate that. I don't know if I can find 15,000 fans to come, um, <laughs> to come to a, a recreation at Stanford, but... Um, hopefully we definitely have plans to do to do something special for them. Yeah. Well, it was a special year for sure. Um, all right. Now I got to now we're going to go we're going to go off script. We're going to go a little we're going to well, not all, it's on script for me, but it's going to be off script for you, okay? I'm going to ask you a okay. couple of personal questions and I just I you got to be truthful with me, coach, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh tr- okay. true or false, uh, you are very superstitious. Very true. Please go into detail. Very, very true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I am, yes. I mean, like, if I'm wearing a bracelet in the game, my daughter made me a bracelet, like, two games, you know, before the tournament. Didn't take it off. I still, I actually still have it on my wrist right now. <laughs> Extremely superstitious. But I'm also superstitious with the way I dress. Like, if I'm wearing a dress and we win, I'm definitely wearing a dress the next game. Um <laughs> extremely superstitious with that my team is so funny because we we read these like game notes before the game and one game i you know i grabbed one of my players papers and handed it back you know handed it back to her and so the next game i did and we went on like a six game winning streak. so when i walked in the locker room she, she'd hold it out for me to touch her paper and she's like yeah here you go you know but definitely superstitious uh true or false you are a um a rabid fan of the Bachelor slash Bachelorette TV series. Very true. I have watched from the very first season. I was in high school. Wow. That's a commitment. That is commitment right there. That is. It's to the point where it's like you watch every year, so you just have to keep watching. I've even got my husband in on it, and he's like, you know, it's one of the where he sits there and pretends to do something else, but he's really watching. Oh, he's 100% Um, watching. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, he's definitely watching, but I'm a Bachelor Bachelorette fan for sure. That is funny. No, uh, and I don't even, I'm no shame in it. I, yeah, I was about to say, you you own that. I respect that. I really do. That's that's great for <laughs> no you. No shame. <laughs> um, now, when you played at Valdosta State, you scored over 1,000 points. You hit 262 threes. So I imagine, you know, the shot, that's the last thing that goes away. So do you do you still get out there with the team and show them up a little bit? Oh, yeah. We play horse, and um, we play that, you know, in the bucket game where you, you – you know, every shot's worth 10 points, and every once in a while, too, if we don't have, like, if we have injuries or stuff, I'll get in and go up and down the court with them a little bit, and they just think it's funny, because I can definitely not play defense anymore. <laughs> all I can do is shoot. <laughs> That's all I can do as a player, too, so if you, you can imagine how much worse it's gotten. Then. <laughs> so, but they think it. in the summer, too, we'll play, like, you know, four on a staff game against them, and it just... I, they, they love picking on me, but I can still shoot it a little bit. Thank God. Otherwise, I'd really be in trouble. <laughs> do you still do? You, do you talk any smack to him? Oh, every day. Oh, that's good. That's every good. day. Awesome. Good. I just had to check. Yeah. I had to make sure. That's. I think that's one of the few <laughs> things we have left. When you when you owe him, you just settle exactly. down a little bit. Yeah. You can remind him how how really good I that's was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, God they can't pull game film up on me. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut down those synergy accounts. <laughs> Um, you mentioned getting to coach against Brittany at East Tennessee, but you got a chance to coach against several of your former co- former uh, bosses, coaches this year. What what was that experience like? Because that that has to that has to feel different, right? Oh my gosh, yeah, it was. Oh, I did not like it. Um, I mean, I think it was cool just 
it's just crazy how small the world really is and how connected this basketball world is. Um, but my, my former college coach that I played for and worked for at Valdosta is now the head coach at Western Carolina. So um, played him three three times this year because we played him in the tournament. Um, man, it's just strange. It is really strange. Um, and then same thing with, with Coach Ezell. It's just it's cool because it's like these are people who helped you get here. Um, but I always yeah, I, I had I had someone tell me when we played in I was trying to schedule a game with him because we had a kid from that area. And he's like, Carly, I don't want to play against my friends. Why would I want to play against my friends? Someone's going to lose. It, you know, find someone else. I'm not playing against you. <laughs> um, and I, that just has stuck with me ever since when people have, you know, tried to schedule games. I'm like, no, I don't want to play against my friends. <laughs> it's true because it's just, I mean, it's such a competitive, I'm so competitive and, you know, I want to figure out every way I can to beat you. And it's just, yeah. it's a, it's a strange thing, but, but yeah, I, I did not like it. And I'm going to get to get used to it though, because they aren't going anywhere. Right, right. And I don't, I don't think I am either. So we'll, <laughs> we're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> um, after your first championship, you, you got your ears pierced, right? Yes. See, I do my research. I listen, Coach. I do my research. And you know, you know, you know, it is. You got to prepare for for your game or whatever thing you're doing. And since we have no That's games right. to prepare for, I just prepare for these. Yeah. Um, oh are there are there any plans for you know a tattoo or anything like that? A double piercing or double piercing? You know, anything? My team at Valdosta, um, we I did have that that on the table with them because I don't have any tattoos either. I just clearly am scared of needles. In fact, that I didn't have my ears pierced till I was thirty. Um, <laughs> but it was just like a bet you know, early on in the year with them. If we win the conference tournament, we were picked ninth that year out of 12. You know, if we win the conference tournament, you have to get your ears pierced. And so I'm thinking, sure, I'll yeah, take Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah, no no problem. And then sure enough, we were in the whole time thing. And oh, they took me to the mall, videoed it, you know, sat around me while I got my ears pierced. And so the next year, we went up to Auntie, though, to a national championship. If we won a national championship, um, I was going to have to get a tattoo. And... I mean, we, you know, we missed a layup at the end of the Sweet 16 game that would have sent us to the Elite Eight. So, I mean, three games away from having to potentially get a tattoo was, I thought, I am never making this bet again. <laughs> um, so, luckily, thank goodness my favorite team did not pick up on that and did not make any bets with me. But uh, if they listen to this next year, I guarantee a tattoo absolutely. will attempt to be on the table. Yeah, I'm going to tag all of them be like, hey, hey. Little, exactly. little Sanford Bulldog. Yeah, I think that uh, I know. you could pull that off. I know. <laughs> my team at Valdosta, they thought it should have been their name. They thought their name should have been tattooed somewhere on my body or oh, their initials. And I'm, that's too yeah, much. So yeah, that's too much. I will, I'm not sure I'll make that bet. No, ever again, that's, that's, a, that's too I much. Double piercing, I might be able to go for. Um, <laughs> Your courage is admirable. Tattoo, yeah, no, not happening. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you uh, playing along with me there um, on some of those. But of uh, I'll get you out of here on this one. I always like to end uh, open-ended and just give you a, a chance to talk about your program. Because um, you guys are, you know, you're a small mid-major school in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm sure people go, Stanford? And you're like, no, 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 Sam with an M first, right? You get that all the yeah. time. But One of our catchphrases is Sam, not Stan. We <laughs> have to it. say that a lot. <laughs> and, and so people might not, you know, might not know about you, especially if you're not from, you know, the, the South or anything like that. But what would you want people to know about your school, about your program, about you that, you know, maybe this is the first time they've 
ever heard of Samford. This is the first time they realize, oh man, they're a good program, good coach, everything like that. What's what's the message? What would you want them to know about what you and what you guys have going on? Yeah, um, gosh, that is a, well, I could go a long ways with that. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing is that a lot of people preach and a lot of people talk about family and a lot of people talk about culture. Um, but I think Stanford itself is just, there's, there's no better word to, to talk about Stanford than the culture of the school. Um, I mean, obviously it's a private Christian institution and people are pick, choosing that place because they want to invest a lot, um, in their life. And that's spiritually, that's athletically, that's academically, you know, all those kids are graduating with, with big time degrees. It's a, it's a, it's a really prestigious school down here. Um, but, but as a program, um, a basketball program, I think we operate the same way. Um, hopefully you've got a feel for high personality throughout this and kind of, we we're just, what you see is what you get. And we have a lot of fun. I think, you know, people take this profession and this job way too seriously. And I mean, I get it because it's, I mean, I have three young kids and it puts food on the table for my family. So it is a job and it is serious, but if kids aren't having fun and they're not enjoying being there every day, it's such a grind that they're not going to want to come back and they're not going to be excited to be playing eight months into the season. And, um, we have a lot of fun and we try to keep it that way. And I, you know, we, I want to, I want to be a part of my kids' lives and I want to be part of my players lives and they I want them hanging out on my couch and every day and coming to have lunch with me and um I think relationships are just the biggest piece of what we do and and I think it's you know my whole staff John Sally Chandler have done a really good job of embracing that as well and it's it's I think it's led to success and if you didn't wake up and are not excited to go to work every day then it's not going to be fun and we have a lot a lot of fun probably too much fun um, I've had a lot of people you know I've had a lot of people asked me that around across my career is you know are you I'm not the coach that you know, really yelled at my kid I'm not the coach that really is extremely hard on them and um now there's obviously moments that that need to be handled different ways but it's we like to have fun and I like to celebrate them and it's a game and um try to keep it that way so just I think that's the biggest thing that I would the message I would want to send about Stanford is you know we're we're family. We have a really, really strong culture, and we like to have fun. Yeah. Well, uh, a stellar job in year one. Again, 18-14, 10-4, win the conference title. Co-coach of the year in the conference. Uh, Coach, I really appreciate you taking some time out for me and sharing your heart, sharing about your team, and having some fun, too. But uh, best of luck with those three kids during this uh, this quarantine. I hope you guys <laughs> make that. Might, that might be your most difficult challenge. About being a mom. I'm in my garage hiding in my car so they can't find me. That is There's just only not, not so many places I can go, so. This is great. <laughs> so, quarantine. Well, thank you for hunkering down for me. It's appreciated. That's but right. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, best of luck going forward, and uh, I hope you guys I hope you guys do it again next year and get the opportunity to play on the level that you deserve. Best of luck to you too, Blake. Thanks. I appreciate Sanford head coach Carly Coons joining me on the jump round today. Uh, certainly strange times we're in, but all dealing with it and a great job by her her staff and her team this year getting that double SOCON championship. Thank you for listening to the jump round as always, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever you listen, it's appreciated. If you can leave a rating or review, that really helps. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at Blake Dudonis. And until next time, this is the jump round. <laughs>